Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast from Artists for Artists. This is your host Ula and today I'm going to introduce you to one of the most unique artists that I have ever met so far. Today we're talking to someone who has drawn over 10,000 people from around the planet. He doesn't just draw people, he draws them with two hands. That's right, he uses both his right and his left hand at the same time with two different pens and draws people within two and a half to three minutes and that's pretty extraordinary. He's drawn me before when we were in Munich and when I watched him draw a portrait of myself, I was astonished. On top of that, he's just a very, very kind person, very artistic, creative, and comes up with some really great ideas. Besides drawing people, he also speaks. That's actually how I got to know him at a speaking event, and he works in IT. Now, I can't wait to share this interview with you and to find out what art means to him, how he started, and what advice he can give to people and artists out there based on his personal experience. I'd like to welcome Morgan to this podcast. And if you want to find some of his portraits and his drawings, you can find him on his Instagram account, Escher2Hands, which is E-S-C-H-E-R, number two, hands. Or you can find him on his website, escher2hands.com. I'll also add the link into the description so you can just click on there. And with that, here's the interview from Morgan and me. From artists for artists. Okay, hello Morgan. It's really nice to have you here on this podcast today. Um, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Ula. Thanks for calling. Cool. I'm really excited to be learning more about you and your art. And as we heard in the intro, you are someone who actually draws with two hands. And I would be very interested to hear about how that whole thing started. Would you like to tell us your story? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to drawing, that's something that I've done since I was around 10. But when it comes to, and that's, of course, something that lots of kids do. They, they enjoy it. It's fun. They get to see something made on the page. But when it comes to drawing with two hands, you have to be a little bit crazy to, to think to do that. When I was around 16 years old, I saw a documentary about Leonardo da Vinci that said that he would draw with two hands at the same time. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. I want to be like Leonardo da Vinci, too. I want to try that. And you know... I don't know if you've tried it yourself, but it, when you start, it's really, really hard. Um, most of us are not born both-handed. Uh, me, I was born right-handed. And when I first started to try, it would actually give me a headache. It was so difficult to coordinate what my two hands were doing, to be able to even hold the pen. That, was, that took a learning process on its own. But year by year, eventually you get better, and that's how it works. Wow, yeah. It's a long process, right? So you've been doing this for uh, quite a while? Now for like 10 years I've been drawing with two hands. Wow. So I draw a lot of people. Um, and so I get to talk with a lot of people. And a lot of people, when they see me drawing with two hands, they ask me, oh, uh, were you born with it? Is, is it a gift? When did you first realize that you could draw with two hands? And for them, I have to say, whoa, wait, no, no, no. It's not something that you realize you can do. Just like that. 
it's uh, for me, it was something where I had to fight hard for it, where I would work on it for a few hours in one day or in one week. And then I'd give up and I'd say, this is just too hard. This is just too stupid. It, it's useless. I'm not going to learn this. But um, then a little voice in the back of my head would say, wait, but maybe it is possible. Maybe it isn't impossible. Maybe you just have to put in more time. Then I'd pick up the pens again, maybe in a week later, maybe two weeks later, and I'd try again. And slowly by slowly, every few months, I could say, hmm, I'm getting better at this. To the point where today, um, I do everything with either hand. I chop onions when I'm cooking with my left hand, with my right hand. I brush my teeth with my left hand, with my right hand. I can do everything now, uh, equally good with both hands. That is pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. I've never actually tried drawing really with my left hand. I'm right-handed as well. But I have tried uh, brushing my teeth with my left hand, and it it just doesn't work. <laughs> That's why it's like, wow. Um, I only know of a very small amount of people. I think I know two people who are quite good at using both hands for things, who were naturally born with it. I don't know why. I think as children, they couldn't decide between which hand to use, and then they somehow managed to do it both. But you seem like you really had a point where you started and you kept getting better and better. So you did say you had that voice in your head telling you, okay, maybe you can get there. But how did you continue when you felt like you were failing? How did you feel when it was really hard? Because for me, if I just try to do something with my left hand for a minute, I get so frustrated that I just don't bother trying. How do you kind of get over that? Yeah, so um, there are two things. Uh, the first thing is, there was the mystery of, wait, I saw this in a documentary about Leonardo da Vinci, but is it really true? Can somebody actually learn how to draw with two hands at the same time? And so this question of, is it possible? This curiosity was one thing that drove me further to say, if I don't find out, if I don't do it myself, then I'll never know the answer. And for people who ask me, hey, can I also learn how to do it? I say, it's even easier for you because you already know the answer is yes. You already see the end goal. You already know where you can get to. The second thing was I kept doing it because I thought it would be cool. I thought that it would look so cool if I could draw with two hands. And so I kept on. Well, that's true. It definitely is very cool. I think that's something that makes you unique and I remember when you drew me for the first time in Munich that I was absolutely astounded by it. And you're always surrounded by people now. So how does it make you feel now to be able to have this skill and to go out into the world and to just draw? I don't know, how many people do you draw a day? Like, how does it make you feel? On average, uh, last year, my average was 8.5 people per day. Um, and usually that's one of the reasons why I love public transportation, the train, the bus, the plane, all these places where uh, I can meet a lot of people. I can just sit down for three minutes, two to three minutes, draw a person's picture, hand it over to them, see them smile, and then draw someone else and see them smile. And then by the time that I get off the train, the whole train car is full of smiles. And this has made it much easier, much faster, because rather than taking um, five minutes to do a sketch with just one hand, I can take two and a half minutes to do a sketch with both hands. But honestly, sometimes I even forget that it isn't normal. Sometimes I get to drawing somebody 
And then they say, oh, yeah, you're drawing with two hands. I didn't even realize it. And I say, oh, yeah, uh, that's 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 still new to you. Okay. Yeah, it definitely is unusual. But I think when you get to a point where you like really master something, it becomes so normal to you that you realize, oh, not everyone is at this stage. I have that too when I teach beginners how to dance. I'm like, wait, you can't you can't do this, but it's so easy. But then I have to think back, wait, it wasn't always easy for me. And I feel like we look at someone who's mastered something and then we feel like we have to be able to do that too, just because you can. And just because you can do it, it has to be easy. And we forget to see that there's actually a big process behind this and that it takes time to get somewhere. Yeah, for the first five years that I was learning to draw with both hands, that I was teaching myself how to draw with both hands, I would get those headaches. First, they would come, like you said, within the first few seconds of trying to trying to write my name with my left hand. Um, but over time, it, I built up a small tolerance to where I could stand a few seconds, to where I could stand a few minutes, to where I could stand 20 minutes, to where finally I could stand an hour before those before the the headache would be too strong. And then eventually, it just went away. It took five years. But eventually it went away. And now it's five more years where I haven't had any headaches, where it just feels natural. And it's definitely been worth it. There's people who say, oh, um, I'm already 45 years old. Five years is, is uh, by that time I'll be 50. But mm -hmm. hey, they'll be living for quite a long time afterwards, usually. Um, and so they'll still have many years to enjoy the benefits instead of just worrying about those few short years of the struggle. That's a good point. Very good point. <laughs> Everyone's young in that regard. Yeah. So do you feel you're, you're talking about headaches and the actual skill of the drawing, but do you also feel like you see a big difference between the outcome of your drawing? So what I'll say is in terms of technical drawing, drawing talk, uh, when you are one-handed and you draw with your right hand or your left hand, whatever, whichever one it is, a lot of people will, especially when they're doing careful lines, they will rotate the page because there are some uh, directions that are easy for just physically for this hand to do and some directions that are difficult just physiologically for this hand to do. And so that's why you rotate the page so that way those curves, those lines are in that comfortable range. But when you have two hands, Actually, the ones that are easy to do with the left are the ones that are hard to do with the right. And the ones that are hard to do with the left are the ones that are easy to do on the right. So you end up not rotating the page anymore. You speed up because of that. And um, if you want to fill in the page more like a printer, where you uh, focus on this area and then that area all the way on the other side, you have two hands to dart back and forth. And so this actually changes your style and how quick you move actually a little bit. I never thought about that. That's a really interesting point. Thanks for raising mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of when you're drawing people, are you actually more accurate now in making someone look like they look in real life on paper drawing with two hands in comparison to one hand? Because you have to always look at two different spots at the same time, right? While you're drawing. Or am I wrong there? I think that um, what happens oftentimes for a lot of artists and that's why it's nice to have mirrors around or to have or to do digital art is that if you're one handed, if you're, say, right handed um, and then you mirror the page, you'll say, ah, this looks skewed. 
I never realized it, but because I'm using my right hand and there are certain lines that are comfortable for it, the picture oftentimes comes out skewed. Whereas if you're also using your left, then that skew is counterbalanced by uh, the opposite skew. And so therefore, uh, things come out a bit more symmetrical in that regards. But I think in terms of making people look like themselves, that is just because I've drawn ten, uh, over 10,000 people. The more people I draw, the better I get. It's sure, maybe a picture that I drew 100 portraits ago might be better than the portrait I drew today. But on the whole, the trend line is uh, always going up. Yeah, I interesting. I never thought about being skewed to one side. But yeah, you're right. I Of course you would be because you're always just drawing with one side. Yeah. It's you should take a look uh, when, you, when you work with any of your drawings. Uh, if they're digital, there's usually a keyboard shortcut to mirror that um, to mirror that drawing. Or if you're working on paper, hold it up to a mirror and see, does this actually look like what it should look like? And oftentimes it doesn't. The sense of balance on the page, the amount of detail in one corner versus another corner, when we mirror it, oftentimes we're surprised to see how off it actually is. That's interesting. It also means that our eyes have actually adapted themselves to find what we're doing in front of ourselves to be in line or like symmetrical when it actually isn't, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's fascinating that we can be like right-eyed or left-eyed. We can focus more. Our brain does a lot of post-processing that ends up changing how we see the world. And when we flip it upside down or mirrored or these kinds of things, it forces our brain to not to take those shortcuts of post-processing, but to look at the picture all over again from a new perspective. I'm blown away by this. <laughs> I just learned something completely new. So I'm thinking, does that actually change the way that you look at the world? Because if you can say we have a specific perspective to look at a picture, doesn't that also change the perspective we look at reality or the world? Yeah, so simple things like, one of the things I think is that the more questions we ask ourselves, the more we can learn. So when we take a, uh, a pair of scissors, for example, um, most people grow up using normal scissors and they have no problems using them. They might draw a line on the piece of paper and be able to cut nicely and see that line as they're cutting. But if you try it with your left hand, all of a sudden the blade is actually blocking your view of that line. And you realize even something as simple as cutting with scissors has this inherent handedness to it. A friend of mine, he was having some trouble with repetitive strain injury at work. And so he bought this fancy mouse that uh, sort of stands on its own. But the mouse buttons were set up because it was this fancy mouse only for right-handed people. And if you take the mouse with your left hand, there's no way to wrap your hand around and touch those buttons. And again, it's another thing where your, uh, your brain sort of just turns off, goes on autopilot and accepts this. But um, when you train yourself to do new and different and crazy things, you start asking questions like, oh, why is it that way? Oh, can it be somewhere, some way different? That makes me think that when you train your brain to do something in a different way, you actually have a whole new world of inspiration and ideas to influence your art, right? Yeah, I think that the... Um, that one of the biggest things that training myself to draw with two hands has done 
is it taught me that if I want to do something enough, I can do it. There's uh, your Skype quote there is persistence is better than talent, right? Uh, persistence beats talent, yeah. Persistent be- persistence beats talent. And growing up, the people around me had this sort of philosophy of, yeah, there are some things people are born to do. There are some talents that are inborn. And if you don't have those, you know, try something else. Mm-hmm. But um, when you take something as obviously not born as being as training your left hand in the first few seconds you can obviously tell this is not something i was born to do and then to achieve that that tells you that hey i want to learn that drawing style i can hey i want to learn how to tell a story like this person i can if i just put in that persistence if i just put in that work because i've done it before yes yeah that's very true i feel the same way because I wasn't born to dance. I My body isn't born to be a dancer, just in terms of the physical structure with my bones and flexibility and all that. And I only started dancing when I was 16 years old. And so many people told me, you know, you're too old, you can't do it. And I just kind of told myself, but it's something I really, really, really want. And so I did it and I managed to do it. And now I through that, the biggest learning is not the dance technique itself, but just as you said, it's the knowledge and the courage to know that if I really want something, even if I'm not born with it, even if right now it's totally out of reach, mm-hmm. I know I can get there somehow, but I have to start and I have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Very thoughtful points. Let's move on and uh, change the topic a little bit because I'm really interested in your art, not just in your portraits, but you have a second Instagram account where I see your art. It looks a little bit like sci-fi. It looks very creative in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. And I would almost imagine that it's two different artists because it like mm-hmm. just shows a whole different side of you. And in terms of that art, in terms of um, the art you grew up with and the art that you've learned, what does it mean to you? Okay, so art is a really important part of me. Um, and during this crisis, uh, where we kind of have to take things back to the basics, things that we're used to doing, going to uh, see friends, to cook together, to do all these sort of things, we have to scale it back to the basics of what we can do alone. And growing up, art was one of these core things. Drawing pictures of time-traveling puppy dogs with claws that could slash through space-time, or of uh, potted plants who tried to take over the world. Um, these crazy sort of ideas and drawing these un- these worlds around them, having a character, having a, uh, a story behind it, having relational characters to that one, an antagonist, uh, friends of that main character, all of this building a world was a way to deal with whatever was going on in my life. And I have pages and pages and pages, actually thousands of pages of notes and of designs and of uh, comic uh, panels of these little worlds that I made. This was all to make me happy. This was all stuff that, this was all art that I produced to make me happy. And then a few years later, when I was getting into college, I discovered that if I'm sitting on the back of a bus, I can draw a picture of the person sitting next to me and it'll make them happy too. And this sort of really, opened my eyes and made me realize what what art could actually be 
And then it became not so much about the, the feeling that the drawing did for me, but the feeling that the reaction gave to me, this interaction gave to me. So uh, these portraits that I draw of people, these now it's, I think, 11,364. Um, these drawing, these uh, portraits that I make of people, I don't feel them so much as being arts for the portrait, but more as performance art, as being about this interaction between me and this other stranger there. But when it comes to this uh, second Instagram account that you're talking about, this sort of sci-fi thing about a little girl riding on a star through space, trying to find her brother who's been kidnapped by space aliens. Um, that's just a nice little story uh, where I get to unwind, where it doesn't matter what I did at work, um, if the day went well or if the day went not so well. I know that I'm adding new chapters to this storyline that I'm figuring out new parts of the story arcs, how different uh, themes weave together. And that process is what I'm enjoying. The end result, whether it's a book that I can have on my shelf or if it'll be a bestseller or whatever, I don't care so much about that. It's the process that I enjoy. That's a very, very interesting point that you're raising because all of the interviews I've had so far, as well as the research that I've done about art in the past three weeks, have actually been consistently showing me that what artists really care about and what art really is, is a process and not a result. Mm -hmm. And before I started this podcast, for me, art was always about the result. Mm -hmm. I thought I have to get there. It is about the performance that is going to be on stage. It is about the reaction that I'm going to get. And the more I dive into this and the more I meet authentic artists like yourself, I realize, hey, it's about the whole storyline, not just about the last chapter, the last word and the end. And that's a really amazing realization that I've had. So thank you for reminding me of that again and for, for raising that. Mm -hmm. And what I also love is when you talk about the connection that art creates for you between people. And, uh, you know, when you draw them and when you just talk to them randomly and you see their reaction, do you kind of have an idea of where you want to go? Do you have like, I mean, we, yes, it is a process, but do you also have a place or somewhere you want to go from here? Or is it just you're enjoying it day by day and seeing where it goes and letting it flow? Yeah, so... Um... One of the funny things is a lot of people ask me, oh, what is your favorite portrait? You've drawn 11,000 people. What, what is your favorite portrait? And um, when I point out, when I go through my uh, all the photographs of all these portraits that I've drawn, um, the ones that I point out oftentimes aren't the prettiest ones, oftentimes aren't the ones that I would consider as the best art. But the invisible parts of it, this context that's surrounding that picture, who that person was, what we talked about, where we were, those things are, for me, what makes that, what would have made that particular portrait special, rise above the others in my memory. And when you're talking about where I want to go with this, the answer is, I honestly don't know. When I first started drawing pictures, I uh, had a goal to draw 100 in the first, like, three months, and I, I got that. And then eventually it was, okay, I want to draw 5,000. Uh, I wanted to draw all the people in my dorm. And, and I got that. Then it was draw 5,000, and I got that. And um, one of the things that I realized at number 5,000 mark, that was a big number for me, 
um, it was just a guy at work, and he was like, oh, so that means that you've drawn 4,999 other people. And I was like, yeah. It's like, okay, cool. But there were no fireworks. There was no, like, parade. Nothing, nothing actually functionally changed after that. And, but a few days later, I was taking the bus. I was on a, a business trip. I was taking the bus through Liechtenstein, this place where there's a lot of old people who kind of are distrustful of strangers. <laughs> and I started off drawing this, this sort of drunk British guy. And then there were these two elderly uh, German people, uh, elderly German-speaking people, who were saying, "Look at what he's doing with his hands. Oh, and he uses both hands." So I say, "Okay, I'm gonna draw one of them next." I draw uh, the the wife and the couple, and then I start to draw the husband, and he says, "No, no, no! I have a better idea. There's a guy on this bus. We're actually all coming together from a birthday party. This guy over here, he's, I think he was 92 years old, something like that." He brings him from the back of the bus, brings him over to me and says, this young man's going to draw your picture. So I draw that guy's picture. And he's like, wow, in all the years that I've been alive, I've never seen anything like this. And then I draw another person and another person. And by the time that I get off that bus, all the people wave to me goodbye. They wish me well. They say, let us know next time you're here. And sure, um, number 5,000 had no fireworks. And this one was like 5,016. I don't know. So the number itself doesn't actually matter. But what does matter is the effect. And year by year, I'm drawing more and more people. And year by year, I'm letting that effect become a bigger and bigger part of my life. Wow. I, I don't know what else to say apart from wow. I wish I would have been on that bus. That sounds like an amazing experience. <laughs> and one of the things that's strange is talking to people about it, uh, talking to my friends um, and telling them, oh, yeah, you remember how I drew everybody in my dorm? Well, now I'm drawing everybody around the world. And they're like, okay. They don't quite understand it. They don't quite get it. Um, but when I travel and I take a train with them and I say, hey, you mind if I draw the people around? And they're like, okay. And then they see the reactions and they get off and they say, Morgan, is it like that every day you take the train? <laughs> and then they know what the experience is like and then they understand why I can never go back to not drawing people. Yeah, basically you're you're going back to the inherent thing that makes us human and that's being sociable. That's, you know what is so important to us is to have social contact and that's what i realize now during this quarantine time is how much i miss talking to people and being with people and laughing with people and you're like one of the only people i know that you you foster this on a daily you know on a daily basis but through art which interestingly is also something that makes us inherently human being creative and being artistic is a natural human state and so you're actually one of the few people that i know who combines like the social part and the artist part and you're making it into one and that is something so unique question i have for you based on this is how do you suggest that artists out there or even people who are who might not want to call themselves artists how can i combine creativity and socializing with people in my own way yeah, that's a good question. 
when it comes to people asking, hey, how are you do? Uh, how do you deal with tough times? I say I get on a train and I draw people. And that advice is not very useful for many people. Yeah. Um, this wonderful thing that I've run into, that I've stumbled upon, is not something that many people take the time to learn how to do. But what I can tell them is that I never imagined that this would be a part of my life. I never imagined that learning how to draw with both hands would be a big factor in drawing all these people. That drawing with both hands would allow... Uh, especially in like Liechtenstein where they're afraid of people who look like me, rather than saying, no, uh, GDPR restrictions, no privacy, no whatever. Instead, for those first 60 seconds at least, they're just staring at my hands. And that's enough of a, t of a time buffer for me to then finish the picture and hand it over to them. And by that time they say, oh, wow, thanks. The point that I'm trying to get across though is that I never got up one morning and said, this is going to be a big part of my life. I never got up one morning and said, I want to draw 10,000 people. I drew, started drawing for myself and discovered that it could make other people happy. I started drawing with both hands because I thought it was cool and discovered that it was a big, it's a big part of why I can draw people in so many places without them having negative reactions. So my advice to people would be, even if you do something that seems totally silly, totally useless, keep doing it because you never know where it can take you and you never know how it can change your world and the people around you. That's very good advice. Thank you. Thank you. I think that everyone can find themselves within that. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Morgan. I think we're just going to end it with that, with saying that if you feel like you're doing something silly, keep going with it because you never know where it can take you. I love that quote. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here with us today, Morgan. And if you guys want to find Morgan on Instagram, you can find him on Escher Two Hands. And I'll add the link into the description so you can just find it there or to check out his website. Right now, you're also drawing people from pictures, right? As we are in quarantine. That's right. During quarantine times, everything changes. And so uh, people who uh, message me on Instagram or through my Facebook or some other ways, they say, oh, you know, my friend is a doctor, heart surgeon working over in Korea right now. Um, here's a picture of him. Can you draw his picture? And I say, absolutely. Very nice. So even though we're in quarantine, even though we're not seeing other people, you still manage to make people smile and create a connection. And I think that's just something that defines you. You, you make people smile and create connections. Mm -hmm. so thank you so much, Morgan. And for everyone listening, thank you for giving us your time. And I'm wishing you all a wonderful day. And see you and hear you next time. From artists.